Welcome to the Antioch Sheffield podcast. We are so glad that you can join us for today's message. For more information about Antioch Sheffield, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for allowing me to worship with the UK Church this morning with Antioch Sheffield. I have enjoyed it thoroughly. It's been way too long since I've been in a corporate worship setting, and it is so life-giving. My name is Blake. I drove up from London this morning. My wife and four children are there. We've been in London for about a year and a half, so that, if you do the math, that means that we have been in London six months without lockdown and a year of lockdown. So we're joining right in with you. I'm thankful that things are loosening up. It is an honor to be here with you. I've been friends with Todd and Lauren, and now Ian and Katrina, but Todd and Lauren for over 20 years. We As couples, we attended a discipleship training program in Texas at Antioch, and Todd and Lauren moved to Africa. And in one of the nations there, they ministered the love of Jesus. And at the same time, my wife and I moved to the Middle East, and we ministered the love of Jesus there. So I've been in and out of conferences with Todd and Lauren over the years, and my heart goes out to them right now as uh, they're dealing with uh, family transition and putting things back together. And I know it will be a welcome sight when they return back here, but it's an honor to serve alongside Todd and Lauren for all of these years. I'm very thankful that they've continually said yes to Jesus again and again and again, and that has led them to where they are. So I'm honored to be in a church that uh, they steward and take care of and honored to be with you all this morning. Thank you for letting me be here. Now, just to let you know, I'm going with something very simple and basic today, and and, and it's a concept that I think if we can connect with this morning, it will change the way we live out the rest of today, our week, and our year, and it will change the way that we actually love God, love our neighbor, coworkers, or other students we're with, and it will change the way we even see ourselves and love ourselves. So that's the beautiful part about it. But the challenge is there is something that majorly stands in the way. What I'm trying to do today is let us know that there is this fire and relationship with Jesus inside of us. If we can stoke and feed that fire, it will do all those things. Help us love our neighbor, love God, love ourselves, change our city, have incredible day, week, and year. It'll be amazing. But that thing that stands in the way is just called human nature. It's you. It's me. That thing that stands in the way of changing the world is just me and you. I know know you know what I'm talking about. Just like there's this thing that stands in the way, and and oftentimes it's just us. It's it's sin. It's something. Jesus' disciples asked him uh, towards the end of his ministry, so when is the end coming? When is this thing all coming to a head? And this is very telling here. Jesus in Matthew 24, 12, he says, Because of the increase of wickedness, The love of most will grow cold. So because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. That was one of the phrases he said at the end, but the the understanding of that is both the wickedness internally and externally. Wars, fear, famine, the wickedness externally, but the wickedness internally has the potential to cause the love of most to grow cold. Now, I personally am very familiar with this cold feeling because I have this tendency to drift over the course of my life, be it within a day or within a month or year, whatever. I have this tendency to drift, and we all do. We all do. It's not like we sat and we say, I'm going to be far from God today. I'm going to be distant from him today. I'm really going to rebel today. 
I'm really going to step away from this amazing, beautiful thing that he's given me, like this place of peace, this place of rest, this place of hope, this place of joy. I'm going to step away from that. But somehow we all find ourselves with that temptation to drift and to step into that place where there's been the distraction that our love starts to grow cold. I don't know why. I would say, as a betting man, no one would ever do that. No one would ever drift from that beautiful thing and that relationship that he has with us. But yet here I am on a daily basis fighting to stay in that place of warmth and to stay away from that cold heart. I have felt that coldness cyclically. I think we all have experienced that at some level. You guys might be familiar. We sing a nice hymn at the end here. You might be familiar with this hymn written by Robert Robinson. Hundreds of years ago, a guy in the U.S. was a, just a songwriter and wrote this. He was a pastor and songwriter. It's the song from the hymn called, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And every time this song has been sung, and I've been in the audience or I've, I've sung it myself, I have related so much to this line, and maybe you have as well if you've heard it. The line is this, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. That first portion where it says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, that is me. I have been prone to wonder always, and I feel it, and I know, and I feel the drift that's coming on. I'm like, oh, I'm just so prone to wonder. Such a beautiful thing, but my gaze can drift to something else of lesser value so quickly, and the Lord, I feel it. And the second part, it's as, as is, if Robert understands, but here's my heart, Lord, Take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. It's as he, he, mid-drift, he's like, oh, Lord, my heart's prone to wonder. No, no, but take my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. I relate to that so deeply. If you've heard that hymn or if you felt that drift towards a cold heart, you too may be able to understand what I'm speaking of. God knows that from the beginning with Adam and Eve, we have been prone to drift. And through Moses, he spoke to the Israelites the scripture that we read this morning, that long passage out of Deuteronomy 6 that we read this morning. He knows that our heart is prone to wonder. But out of the Deuteronomy 6 passage, there's something in it called the Shema statement. And Shema means to pay attention to or focus on. Shema was something that even today, young Hebrew boys and girls, it's the first thing they memorize. And it's... um, it's one of the Shema statement is the stand in the mirror and encourage yourself. It's the I'm a good person type thing. Like, remember, you are this. It's the last thing your mother said when you run out the door as a teenager. Remember, you know, you're a good boy or you're a good girl, whatever that might be. That's what a Shema statement. It's a reminder of who you are. And the young Hebrew boys and girls would be first thing they'd memorize and they'd repeat it every day, this Shema statement. But pay attention to or focus on. And it's a different kind of listening. If you've been in a classroom as a young child and the teacher says, everybody listen up, listen up. You know it's time to stop doing what you're doing and you listen up. Or if you've been a player on a field and a coach says, hey, everybody come over here. It's the kind of listening to that if you've been in an airport and you hear the the loudspeaker and it's announcing flights all the time, but you don't really listen to it until it's time to hear your flight or you hear your name and you kind of crane your neck and your ear to listen like everybody shh trying to get the ambient noise down. Like, listen, they're saying something that we need to hear right now. It's that kind of listening. So that's what the Shema statement is meant to do. It's meant to say, hey, listen up. This is really, really important. I want you to listen to this and obey. 
I want to read that now out of Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel. This is, they're speaking to themselves. Hear, O Israel. We are a people. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. There's like no space that hasn't been mentioned in this. The command that he's saying I want you to remember is right there in verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And sometimes what I like to do where it says at the beginning in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, you know, I really could step into the mirror and say, Hear, O Blake, that's my name, Hear, Blake, you need to hear this today. Because the Lord's command today is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And then he goes on to talk about generationally. He covers the generations. My parents have spoken it to me. I speak it to my children. Keep it in the conversation flow. He talks about putting it on your doorpost. That's at your home. He talks about on the road. That's on the way to work or to school. He talks about putting it on your forehead. We, we see our forehead a lot, or we see other people's forehead a lot. He talks about binding it on you in a way that you see it, and it's around you. And there's, there's nothing left. There's no more room on the table for what the Lord is calling us to. He's like, I'm saying all of this. I want the whole table. I don't want anything else on that table. And it's an invitation. It's not anything less than that. It's an invitation to something more beautiful. So I want to tell you a story, and I want to draw a parallel between the Deuteronomy 6 Shema statement to listen and obey the Lord um, and building a natural fire. So Late last summer, I went on vacation with my family, and a beautiful location is on a lake in the middle of the woods, and a number of other families and their children came with us. It's a really restful place to be. And one evening after dinner, I decided to go down towards the lake in the middle of the woods and build a fire because I'd seen a large pile of wood earlier, and I just love making fires. It's so life-giving to me. I love being in the outdoors. It's so life-giving to me. So I went down with some matches. And I began to gather kindling, like small twigs, leaves, dry grass, anything I could come across. I put that in the fire pit, and I started, I lit the match, and I started the fire, and the small fire gets bigger. I put, you know, larger sticks on, and then eventually I'm going to that log pile, and I'm putting the log right on the fire. Probably 15, 20 minutes in, the kids from up there, my kids, I have four four children, and then uh, the other children, they start coming down the hill to the lake where the fire is. I don't know if they saw it or they smelled the smoke or what, but they all came down. They brought chairs with them. They said, can can we put things in the fire? I was like, sure, go grab sticks, throw them in. You know how kids are? They love, I'm fired, just they're enamored by the fire. 10, 15 minutes later, I see the adults come out of the house. They leave whatever they're doing after dinner, watching TV, and they leave the house and they come down and, and they bring their chairs. And we stay out there most of the evening, so late that the kids have to go inside and they go to sleep and the adults stay out. And we had some of the deepest, most meaningful, meaningful conversation around that fire that night than I think we had the entire weekend. I went to bed that evening, laid my head on my pillow, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, Blake, there are a lot of parallels between that fire you built tonight and my relationship with you. 
And I began to think, yeah, I mean, just begin to think through the evening. And, and, and there were, there were a number of things. You know, everybody was in this comfortable place together, busy doing things. And I stole away and I went down to the lake and I built this really small fire at first with something really basic and simple. And the fire got more and more complex as I built it. And as the light shone and the smoke went and people could smell it, they started to come down. They were curious. And they were drawn to something that wasn't me, but it was the fire. And the Lord's like, in the same way, people are drawn to the fire inside of you. They're not drawn to you, Blake. They're drawn to the fire inside of you. And that fire inside is your relationship with me. It's what I do, and it's what I've done. And one thing I did notice about firelight that the Lord also spoke is, as I sat around the fire in the chair with my friends, do you know what? Everybody looks beautiful in firelight. The soft yellow glow of a firelight Everybody looks beautiful. These bright lights, I'm probably more beautiful in yellow light than these bright lights. I'm sure I am. But yellow firelight makes everyone look beautiful. And the Lord just spoke to me. He said, Blake, in the light of me, you do see everyone more beautiful. You see yourself more beautiful, and you see others more beautiful. And there was something about that fire that everybody just let their guard down. They felt like they could leave their guard down around there. And we just spoke openly. We prayed over and we ministered to one another. And it was beautiful. And, you know, I kept that fire going for three or four days straight. I'd let it die down. And I'd come back in the morning. And there'd be just enough coal underneath that I would put kindling on top. And I'd start the fire again. And that's where I spent my time with Jesus in the morning. And I didn't invite people to it. I didn't. But once the fire got going again, guess who came out? Everybody. And they all brought their Bibles, and they spent time around the fire. And um, my wife let me know that I smelled like smoke a lot when I came back into the house. She's like, you smell like outside. You smell like the fire. And I was like, I know. I was like, I think it's the best smell ever. It's like the best cologne that I've, I've ever worn. And it's the same thing. When you're around fire, you pick up the fragrance of fire. And when you leave that fire, you take that fragrance with you. And the Lord was like, that's how it is with me. When you've been with me, there's a fragrance that you pick up that's a kingdom fragrance. It's not your fragrance. It's my fragrance. But when you walk around town and you interact with people, people catch that fragrance. Just like when you sit around a fire, people catch that fragrance, and it's a beautiful, beautiful fragrance. So from all these parallels, the Lord was speaking to me about, you know, the fragrance that you take, that people look beautiful in the light, that people lay down um, you know, their walls in front of a fire, and they do that same thing before the Lord. And then the Lord spoke one more thing to me, because um, I noticed by the time the third or fourth day rolled around that when I went to get kindling to restart the fire, like around the fire, there was none on the ground anymore, because I had 10 to 15 kids and then adults and then myself picking up that kindling and anything dead or dry that was on the ground, we'd already picked it up. So you'd have to go 20, 30, 40 feet out to find anything on the ground to burn. And then the Lord was like, yeah, that's, that's like your sin. That's like the junk in your life. You've got a clean slate right now because you brought everything to the... You've got a clean slate for this fire because everything that has been able to be consumed has been consumed in this campfire. And he's like, it's the same way with me. Anytime... You have junk that falls into this circumference around me and you. He's like, bring it straight to the fire. Bring it straight to the foot of the cross, and I'll take it. And I'll consume it. And what was a, a massive stick or log or dry debris, he's like, I consume it, and it's gone. And he's like, that's what, that's what sin is. Whenever you have doubt or, 
or pride or anxiety or fear or frustration or anger drop into your perimeter, he's like, pick it straight up. Just bring it to me in my presence. I'll consume it and I'll take care of that for you. And so much so that when you drop it in, the flames get bigger and it brings glory to me. Out of your weaknesses, I will be made manifest. I will be, made, I will get, be given glory. I burned so much wood that, um, that week that I got to the bottom of the wood pile. And I picked up one of the logs from the bottom of the wood pile, and it was only about two feet. I picked it up, and I brought it over to the fire, and I threw it on top of the fire. And immediately as I watched that log burn, ants almost exploded out of that log, and they went everywhere. Hundreds of ants went everywhere. I wasn't trying to kill ants. I didn't know they were in there, but a lot of ants died that day by fire. I picked up that log, and you know, per what the Lord was speaking to me, that log could represent some really heavy, weighty stuff, could represent a sin issue, could represent unforgiveness, could represent pride, could represent something. You name it for you, it was something heavy and it was substantial, and I wanted, I wanted to burn it, okay? So I dropped it on the fire, but what happens, what would have happened had I picked up that log and... And I, I started shaking. I was like, I just want to figure out this pride. I, I, could, I could solve this pride issue on my own. Or I, I could solve this anxiety issue on my own. Uh, this unforgiveness, it's not that big a deal. I'll, I'll handle it myself. And I shake it up a little bit trying to handle that issue. What would have happened to me with that natural log is I would have had ants all over my hands biting me, all over my arms. And I would have had to get rid of it one way or the other. But the beautiful thing that happened is I chose not to mess with that that log or that issue, I put it straight on the fire, and the Lord just spoke to me. He's like, listen, there's some big things out there. The enemy is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy from you every single moment. And if anything comes across your, your radar, what you do is just take it, put it on the fire immediately. If you try and solve it on your own, he's like, there's, there are problems behind problems. He said, don't mess with it. Or maybe you've got an issue, and you lie to cover it up. That's like that ant's nest, you know. You get the point. If we have this fire stirred inside of us, which is our relationship with God, it's really, really attractive to people. I would venture to say that you, your relationship with God on fire burning inside of you is one of the greatest evangelistic tools that we have today. You can take tracks. You can preach from the street corner. You can do all kinds of things. But if you, your life, are like this burning incense this on, on the altar of God, and you, people know the fragrance of Christ in you, I think it's one of the most beautiful things that we have to offer the world today. Your family, your school, places you go, I think it's one of the most beautiful things is offering just your own relationship with God because it's so attractive. You know, we see that one of Jesus' disciples, um, Mary, did this really well. Something that we, I, I admire greatly, and I think it puts me in check quite often, but so Mary did this, and I want to read to you out of Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. This is out of the NIV. So you'll be familiar with this story. If you've read through the New Testament, read through the Gospels, you'll be familiar with this story. But I just want to make a few points in light of tending to a fire. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. 
she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I just want to focus on that part. Um, Mary has chosen what is better and acknowledge where Mary was sitting. You know, to enjoy the benefits of a campfire, you should be near it. It gives warmth and light if you're near it. If you're far away, you don't get to experience that. And the same way, if you want to enjoy and experience the fullness and benefits of knowing and loving Jesus, then you should be near him. And Mary gave us a great example of just sitting at his feet and listening You know, there's nothing in here that says what Martha was doing was bad. It was probably really good. But Jesus is saying, hey, only a few things are needed. Mary's chosen the one, the one that's better. And I think a good question for us today is, okay, Lord, what's the one thing? What's the one thing that I'm invited into with you today? How close can I get to this fire? How much can I put on? How much can I feed this fire and fuel this fire? And how much can I just sit at your feet and adore you and worship you? And... You know, the invitation today is not to do more work. It's not to be better. It's just to draw closer and to not do things on your own, not to do things on your own strength. It's to let him do the work. So I I propose to you and to me, as I encourage myself and the Lord about this, I propose that you, if we sit at Jesus' feet and we tend to our relationship with him like we would a fire, that that's the best thing we can actually do. That's the one that will bring most honor and glory to him and most fruit and peace and joy in our lives than we could ever think or imagine. So practically, how do we do that? How do we do that? Like I said, I'm not calling you and I to more work. I'm just calling you and I to the flame. I'm calling you and I to steward what's already been given to us as a relationship with Jesus. Practically, what can we do? Let me ask you this. Do you know anyone who knows how to make good fires? Do you know anyone around you who's spiritually you'd say, somehow they've always got this amazing fire going. Maybe it's someone you enjoy being around because they always have a fire going. They always have the light of Jesus in them, the fragrance of Christ on them, or the warmth of God on them. Do you know someone? And if you don't know where to start today, text that person. Find that person in this room. Email that person. Call that person say, I want to spend time with you. I want to know, how do you keep the flame of God going? How do you keep the fire going inside of you? What's that all about? And then the second thing I think we can do is this. I know if I were a little kid, I I always wanted to play with matches when I was a kid, but I know if my dad gave me matches and said, hey, go at it. See if you can light a fire in a safe, controlled environment. I would love it. So I want to encourage you guys today as followers of Jesus or ones who are being introduced to Jesus, or as ones who have been around somebody who knows Jesus and has a fire, I want to encourage you to, if you haven't ever before, to build a fire, build a relationship with Jesus. Invite him to teach you how to do that. I want to invite you and encourage you to put kindling on that and then to go find the biggest logs around that you can find, be it a sin issue or be it just a, like a log of praise. Like, Lord, I just want to burn this and say thank you for what you've done and what you're doing in me. I think if we were to do that, if we were to find people who could light fires and maintain fires inside, well, we would be, um, we'd be really encouraged. And I think if we would be experimental 
with a relationship with God and, and engage with it ourselves instead of observing other people's fire, it would really, really be life-giving for us. And I think that what you're looking for today, which is life and acceptance and purpose, I think you'd be really, really blessed by that. So if you want to do that, you're going to be extremely, you're going to benefit extremely well. And if you want to know, like, well, what are the tools? Like, what do I need? Okay, I need matches. Okay, yeah, that's right. You need kindling. That's right. You know what? Some matches and kindling that I've used practically before are just like being in the Word of God, being in an environment of worship, prayer, prayer walking, praying in the Spirit, listening to testimonies, sharing the good news about Jesus, getting outside of myself, choosing to get away from me and actually say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually come to something that's bigger than me because I want that warmth and I want that fragrance and I want that beauty. So in closing, the Lord commanded Israel to what? To love the Lord with all their heart, soul, and strength. He left nothing up to the imagination. And loving God was all-consuming in the best of ways. And if you want to tend to a fire in the natural, it takes a lot of focus and a lot of attention, and it's a lot of joy involved. And I just bless you guys this morning to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and strength in a way that causes you to tend to the fire inside of you that actually allows people around us to be blessed by the fragrance, the light, and the warmth of Jesus in each one of us. I want to take a moment just to listen. Like, Holy Spirit, is there anything you want to speak to us about the state of the fire in us? So asking, Lord, do you, do you want me to help somebody else build a fire? Do you want me to add more, more wood to the fire that I have, more fuel to the fire I have? What are you inviting me to do today with my relationship with you with that fire? And also asking the question, Lord, you've commanded me, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and strength. Lord, have I given you everything today? And if not, I don't want to waste any time. I want to give it all back to you again because I want that fire to be kindled in me and I want to be kindled and spread. And the most beautiful thing about a fire, you guys, is when we bring all of our fire, our relationship with God together, it's like a bonfire. And it is so joy-filled. It is so life-giving. Let's just take a moment. I'll pray. Let's wait on the Lord. Let's just ask him. And after a few moments, let's just ask the Lord to speak. Let him speak to you. Lord, what do I do about maintaining this relationship with you? And then I'll, I'll pray at the end, okay? So, Father, would you come speak to us now? We're really thankful that you're here and you're with us. And I just look across the room and know on the YouTube feed, Lord, I know there are so many significant lives that are represented here. I know that there are amazing fires, there are amazing relationships with you. They're so beautiful. And I know there are some that have yet to start. So, Lord, I ask, would you come speak to us? What can we do to kindle and keep fire burning in us today. We just ask, we wait silently in Jesus' name. Father, we love you so much, and we are so thankful that we can have relationship with you, and that relationship 
is so life-giving to us and to others. And Lord, I speak blessing over this congregation, over Sheffield. Lord, we ask that the fragrance of Christ would be everywhere in this church and out into this city. We ask that the warmth of Christ would be in every life. We ask that the light of Christ would be in every light. And I pray that all of those things would increase today. All of those things would increase today. And I pray, Lord, that this congregation would be master fire builders. I pray that they would be just drawn to the fire. They would be just so consumed with loving you with all their heart, soul, and strength, God, that they would love you with everything they have, God. I thank you for the fullness of your blessing over this church. I thank you for men and women and children who love you with everything they have. And Lord, I ask that each of us would be like Mary. We'd sit at your feet, and we know that that is the place that we find the greatest life, Lord. So I pray life and life abundantly, a John 10, 10, life and life abundantly over this congregation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. To listen to more messages like this one, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk forward slash podcast. We are looking forward to seeing you soon.